Hello, runners. This is the Rambling Runner Podcast, and I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is a podcast for all of the dedicated amateur runners who are working hard to get better while tending to the rest of their lives. And today, I am uh, fortunate to have an interview with Cruz Figueroa. Cruz Figueroa is a three-time marathon runner, has run five half marathons, three 5Ks, and has qualified for the Boston Marathon three times. In addition to that, she's also a wife and a mother of two crews. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on here, and I should also mention that uh, you share a lot of your kind of your, a lot of your running accolades and just the, the process that you're in with running on Instagram, and your Instagram handle is uh, at in underscore cruise underscore control, and cruise is C-R-U-Z, so in cruise control. That's a great handle. I, I, I love that title. Um, so before we get into it, I just want to just, I guess, touch base on one thing I saw back in May you had the unlikely result of running a PR in a 5K without even really training for a 5K. So first of yes, all, congratulations. And how does that how does that happen? Uh, you know what? I think I was not too worried going into that 5K. It was more of a, well, my husband actually signed me up as a Mother's Day gift <laughs> just to kind of keep me going because I had just ran the Boston Marathon back in April. So I just wanted to see where I was sort of at. In, my, in terms of fitness, so that's the reason why I ran that 5K. But I had no pressure going in, and it's just—I mean, I just felt good running it. Right, and that was a—I got the number here—a 2012 5K, which is around a 6:30 pace. And yes. for you in the uh, in the comments section of that post, you mentioned that that was actually a 30-second PR, which is a huge increase. I was actually aiming for I'm still trying to do this. I'm still trying to do a sub-20 on the 5K, which is my hardest <laughs> race to run. I mean, for whatever reason, I just can't get into the groove of, you know, the pace like I do with a half marathon or a full marathon. Yeah, and especially coming off of a of a marathon training cycle, you mentioned how this was kind of your, your first race back from Boston. So what did what did your Boston marathon look like? And what was the, you know, kind of the downtime, kind of the recovery time once you finished up? Once I finished Boston, I um, took two, almost two weeks off from running altogether because I had a, um, that was actually my second training cycle back to back, and I just needed that both mentally and physically. So I took two weeks off, and then after that I was running roughly anywhere between 20 to 25 miles a week no speed work in there, and um, and that was pretty much it. Nothing. I just needed that recovery time, basically, just to sort of like, you know, take a deep breath and, you know, and think about what my next goals um, are going to be moving on forward. And you've had a pretty prolific run for an amateur runner in terms of marathon running, being able to qualify. Uh, being able to qualify. I'm sorry, for the Boston Marathon three times uh, with a PR a marathon PR, I should say, of 3.15. So how has, over the course of your running career, how has your marathon training changed in terms of the lead-up and the recovery periods? Well, my first marathon, which is the my current PR, I actually I was not running as many miles as I am now. I actually only was running about four times a week, four to five times a week sometimes. And the most I ran in a week was about 60 miles which is, you know, it's still a lot of 
mileage, but it's not as high as, you know, most people go into. And But all those runs were done at a really um, fast um, pace, which, you know, I, but the only thing was, was that I was not recovering too well in between, even though I was taking complete days off from running. I was strength training as well. And one of the things that affects me in the marathon is usually, like, temperature changes. And that first marathon, I believe it was about 50 degrees outside the whole time, which was perfect for me to run. I felt great um, leading up to the marathon. I mean, I taper well. And, I mean, that's probably the only reason, one of the major reasons why I did so well was because it was, like, the temperature was perfect. I tapered correctly. And I don't feel like I pushed my body as much as I have in the past two training cycles that I've um, done, um, particularly for the Charleston Marathon and the Boston Marathon, which I increased my mileage quite a bit and increased the days as well uh, of running. So I have played around quite a bit trying to find what works best for me. I do know that I need to, you know, work on increasing my running base to become a better runner, but I also feel that um, it's going to take a lot of trial and error to find that, I guess, sweet <laughs> marathon training plan for myself in particular. I know everyone is different when it comes to training. But um, Charleston was a pretty right. warm marathon, and I also twisted my ankle <laughs> on mile 16, so that oh. didn't go as planned. And I was just, you know, I just wanted to finish that marathon. I, I knew I had Boston coming up in the training cycle, so I didn't just, I didn't push myself all the way to where I, you know, will get a severe injury, basically. Um, and then moving on from to Boston, I took a week off after Charleston and started the Boston training cycle. And Boston was just a really warm marathon for me. <laughs> so that was the drawback on that. But it was, you know, obviously one of the best marathons, the best marathon I've done so far. That's interesting. So despite your success in you know, your first foray into the marathon, you still felt the need to kind of tinker a little bit and kind of change your routine. So have you, has it just been a trial and error, like you trying to get as much information as possible, or do you work with a coach that try, that kind of helps you along through the process? It's definitely been more through, <clears throat> excuse me, research more than anything, um, which, you know, there's so much information out there, and sometimes it could get a little confusing. But eventually I do want to work up with a coach. Uh, I'm actually thinking um, of my next marathon will be Charleston again in January. So I'm actually looking at different coaches, particularly on Instagram, to see if um, one of them will be a good fit for me. Because I do know that I, I'm getting to the point where I think I do need to have someone that could, you know, kind of be on top of me a little bit to push me, you know, through these workouts and set up an individualized plan, which right now I'm using a lot of, you know, plans that are, uh, you know, uh, free plans that just about anyone uses online. Right. And you had a lot of success at the half marathon distance. You mentioned before that you struggled a little bit with 5K in terms of maybe getting the time that kind of corresponds with some of your, your faster times at the longer distances. But yes. you ran a 131 half. So what made you kind of go from the half marathon distance, which you were which you were doing really well in, and then bumping it up to the full? Well, <clears throat> I originally ran my first marathon back in 2012, um, when I used to live in Massachusetts, and I really, it was more like, um, it was my sister's, <laughs> it was on her bucket list, and I just happened to join her, <laughs> so it was, oh. was kind of like for fun, and I ran that half at um, 143.24, okay. 
I had no clue what, you know, anything anything having to do with running pace, what was fast, what was slow. I just, you know, just trained and went and just enjoyed the process, basically. But I really didn't do anything again till 2015. And when I um, finally did that, the Run Hard Marathon in November of 2015, I ran that at one in 134.30. And I felt so good afterwards that I was like, you know what, I think it's time for me to try a marathon. And I know it's funny because it's like it was only my second race. <laughs> and I will tell you that the marathon process is definitely a whole new, it was a whole new ball game for me, <laughs> you know, from the training to the actual race itself. It's just, you know, it's, it's definitely, it was definitely challenging. But, it, you know, that challenge kept me wanting more, basically, and wanting actually keeps me wanting more right now as well yeah so what was when you were at your best half marathon training how did that um how did like the weekly mileage and your monthly mileage how did that differ from some of your uh, marathon training well actually i did the one where i ran my best which was um last year at 131.03 it was also the same marathon i had done the year prior to I was actually in the process of training for the Charleston Marathon. So I wasn't really training for the half, <laughs> which seems kind of, you know, I, I just wanted to see, again, where I was at in terms of fitness and how well I would do. And it was another, in terms, for me at least, it was in the 50s, which is great for me to run in, and I just happened to do really well. I felt good the whole time going through that half marathon. And the training, um, yeah. It was about an average of 50 to 60 miles a week I was doing at that time as well. So that's pretty big mileage. So you mentioned before that you originally did that on four or five days a week. Is that similar to what you do now, or are you, praying, you usually go six mile, or six days a week with an average of about 10 miles a day? Actually, right now I'm trying to uh, get a good, solid running base. That's my the point before I start training for Charleston in September. So I'm averaging now anywhere between 40 to 50 miles and running mostly every day, as a matter of fact. But most of those runs have been recovery runs or easy runs, you know, nothing too um, strenuous just because I want to save (laughs) that energy for when I truly start training and start doing speed work or tempo runs and things of that nature. Got it. So that's interesting. So for, you know, we've talked a lot about your current training and what you're looking forward to in the future, but how did you start with running? You mentioned before in 2012 you kind of went out and did a half marathon kind of on a lark with your sister. So how did you get into it right, right from the beginning? It was just that. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't that I liked running or anything like that. I just <laughs> I said she, um, she actually had requested that for her birthday as one of the you know, her things, and I was like, well, you know what, I might as well join you, why not, <laughs> let's try this together, you know, and I mean, so what I, made you I so, <laughs> that's interesting, because then now you can, so you so you go out in 2012, you do that, and you run a good time, especially for someone who wouldn't, who didn't consider themselves a runner, you know, 143 is, is legit, so you have that under your belt, and then you know, you mentioned before how you you have a certain 5K goal, and you've only run three 5Ks, which I say only yes. compared to you've also run three marathons. Most people have a lot more 5Ks under their belt than marathons. So what makes you stick with the longer races as opposed to the shorter races and kind of doing more of them throughout a calendar year? 
Well, the thing with the 5Ks, and I don't know what it is about them, it's just that I just can't seem to get into a groove. <laughs> I mean, at least with the half marathon and the marathon, I, you know, I have at least, it, it takes me at least one to two miles to warm up, to, you know, pick up the pace and, you know, set a good tone. <laughs> and the 5K does not allow for that. Um, one of the reasons why I think, I just have to work a little bit more in, in terms of warming up beforehand, which I don't. I need to work on. I don't do that too well with 5Ks because I usually, with a half and with a marathon, I, the first one or two miles are my warm essentially. And then I just pick up the pace from there. And I think that's one of the things that have been challenging with a 5K. And, I mean, mentally it's just like, it, it, honestly, you just got to go fast, and I have to learn how to do that, I guess. It's more of a learning process than, than anything else with a 5K. And a significant difference in terms of the uh, the workouts too, I would assume. You know, you're yes. in terms of trying to do shorter stuff on the track versus maybe the longer tempo run um, yes. for the uh, for the half marathon and the marathon training. Yep, I actually don't do that so much speed work, which is something that I would like to incorporate coming up um, with this next um, marathon training cycle. Most of my runs are easy pace or just um, tempo runs. So when you have your tempo runs, how do you decide which paces to run at? Do you kind of look at a potential goal pace for the upcoming race, or is it just by feel? Um, it's usually by goal pace. Feel, um, sometimes <clears throat> I could feel good, and sometimes I can, you know, I, I'm, I could be in a place where I'm, like, too tired. So I just set uh, a goal pace, basically, because it's the only way I'm going to hit, uh, you know, that goal, whereas... Um, and one of the other things I have included in my training has been a heart rate monitor, which has also helped to um, for me to, you know, keep myself in check in terms of when to take things easy and when to pick up the pace as well. That's that's interesting because I had the same, I, you know, when I started incorporating a heart rate monitor, uh, I felt it, it was a big benefit to me, especially on my easy days, to make sure I was able to throttle back enough to allow for recovery and not try to challenge myself and say, oh, I ran my easy day at whatever pace. I want to run a little bit faster on this easy day. What, how, what's your experience like been in terms of incorporating the heart rate monitor into your training? It has been like a reality check because I used to think that my easy pace were like eight-minute miles and it's more like in the 930s <laughs> to 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so it almost feels like I'm almost like just a light jog, but the, the difference has been that I – I'm able to recover quicker and able to run more because of that. And also I've avoided it for the most, yeah, just injury in general. I have not, besides twisting my ankle at the Charleston Marathon, I have not had any other injuries, which I think is, you know, pretty good. Yeah, especially not having any chronic injuries. I know a lot of people suffer from you know, a whole bevy of lower body or low back issues, especially when they do a lot of running. Um, right. And now have you, when you, have started incorporating the you know the true easy days into your schedule as opposed to the kind of the faster easy days that you used to have. Do you feel like it's had a positive impact on your your tougher workout days? Like you're a little bit more fresh and a little bit more uh, spring in your step for those. Yes, absolutely. That's another change as well. Like um, I mean, I'm able to go in. With, I feel like my legs are pretty fresh to go into those harder you know those harder workouts versus. Before, I felt like I had to push myself so hard that, you know, I would just be exhausted, right? You know, the, any, any work on general, like the, both recovery and the, the fast pace, you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when you're having one of those tough workouts, right? Not the not the tempo run where everything's you know everything's flowing and you feel like not only could you run the tempo run that you projected, but you feel like you could kind of step it up and maybe run even faster than you expected to. But the opposite, right? The tough days that are just a grind uh, or a tough race for that matter. What are some of the things that you do to try to fight through that? that uncomfortable feeling, that discomfort to try to, you know, finish that workout or finish that race at the kind of the best possible level? I mean, it it really is a mental game um, at that point because your body obviously will, I mean, your mind usually gets up before your body does. Like you could push your body usually a little bit, you know, further more than your mind. And it's just, um, I just try to tell myself, like, you could do it. You could do it. You're almost there. It's only, you know, X amount of miles left or X amount of time left. And it's just, you, I've become my own cheerleader, <laughs> in other words. Um, and, you know, that sense of accomplishment is like, it's like nothing else, whether it's with a workout or with a race. It's just, it just feels good, you know. And I try to remind myself of that, that if I slow down or start walking, how am I going to feel afterwards? Probably not too good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm going to start regretting things or, you know, feeling bad for myself, and it's not the best feeling. So it's just, you know, just reminding myself what that feeling, you know, the feeling I'm going to have after a race or after a workout, that sense of accomplishment is essential. Absolutely. And you mentioned before that you really haven't been hit by any significant uh, injuries in your training so I guess what are some of the biggest challenges or difficulties you have had to overcome in your running career? Um, base, uh, well, one of the biggest things that has been when I did the back-to-back marathon trainings is the fact that I was genuinely tired. You know, um, I think, and I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but definitely having two marathons within three months, you know, three months apart was not probably the best idea <laughs> because I was just I was genuinely tired and. You know, I had to push and just, you know, get that those workouts done. And I feel like if I probably would have, like, not done that marathon in January, I could have done better in Boston. But at the same time, I don't have any regrets, though, because it's all a learning experience. That's a good point. I, I think that that's absolutely right. I was listening to another podcast this morning, and uh, the guy on the podcast had said that he either wins or he learns. I thought that was pretty. Yes. That was pretty insightful. Um, yes. It's hard to it's hard to think like that in the moment. Sometimes, uh, at least I can speak for myself. I know it's hard for me to think that way. Uh, I thought it was kind of a nice way of looking at it. Yeah, it is. So, all right. So, I I have a couple questions for you. We got we got to end the podcast. Call them strides, just like any good workout. You end end with some strides. We'll do that here. So, these are some quick questions. I would love for you to to kind of dive into. You can either give me a quick answer back, or you can go a little bit further if you want. Um, so here we go. First one is: so if you're running, are you going with or without headphones? I do a little bit of both. <laughs> it depends on the workout. Um, sometimes I need a little extra motivation, so my headphones, my the, the music keeps me going. Sometimes I could just um, go without them. You know, just you know, my mind will be my entertainment, basically. <laughs> okay. So if you have the headphones in, what are you listening to? Uh, just about everything. <laughs> uh, I listen to uh, rock, hip-hop, R&B, bachata, which is um, Dominican music, salsa, Puerto Rican music. So <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bunch of different types of music in there. Okay. All right. And then I'll say, so what's your time of day do you run? And also I'll throw in there, 
that, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, that you are a mother of two. So obviously, you know, having two two kiddos running around can impact, uh, you know, our training schedule. So when do you run? Uh, currently I'm running um, mid-morning, midday, and once school starts, it'll be back to early morning runs. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. I know the school, the early morning runs for school. I know yes. exactly what you mean. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm enjoying so, it right now. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Yeah. And so when you're when you're lacing up, are you going with one pair of shoe, you know, kind of like one set of shoes and kind of going with them until they wear out, or are you rotating the shoes uh, throughout the week? I have uh, shoes that I rotate. I have um, Hoka's one one and one. I don't forget how you say Clippins um, for easy recovery. I have a pair of Asics, which are almost like my everyday shoes that I could take with or just regular um, runs, and then I have a pair of Tetris uh, Performance GoMap 3, which are ma- mainly for racing or um, speed workouts. Okay. All right, so your what is your favorite post-long run meal? I usually just have a protein shake, and uh, it takes me a while. My stomach it was one of the things I have to work on, but my stomach usually doesn't settle um, right away. So I have to wait like almost three hours, and I don't really have a particular meal, but just a protein shake right after a uh, long run. <laughs> so three hours after, you must be starving once it's time to eat. Yes. <laughs> but it takes me, it, for some reason, it takes my stomach that long to settle down, basically, from the running. Okay. So, all right, so what is your favorite race? And this doesn't necessarily have to be your best performance, but your favorite race that you've run. Uh, definitely the favorite race it has it's the marathon and Boston in particular. I mean that by itself is just it really has nothing to do with um, setting a PR or running a certain pace. It's just the experience in general. It was just uh, it was something else. I mean I will go there just to experience um, the crowds cheering and you know the attention to detail that they had there. I would you know try to PR just for that <laughs> and not worry about you know setting any um, crazy records when I go there. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you coming on. For anyone who's listening, uh, they can also follow you on Instagram at, at, in, at uh, in cruise control. That's N underscore cruise, C-R-U-Z underscore control. Also, if you're here, if you're listening to this, you can catch the Rambling Runner podcast on iTunes, Overcast, and Google Play. Cruise, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Matt. All right. Talk to you later. Happy running. Thank you.